Well, once again, I just want to welcome everyone that's connected with us today. We know this is different. We know that it's not what we're used to. But the amazing thing is, is the church has always responded in times of plagues and crisis and things that have happened globally and locally around the world. And God has always used those times to grow the church and help us love on people in new and creative ways. And doing this online today is a way that we can still connect with you and connect with others. And we want you to use this as an opportunity to spend time together with your family, worshiping together. Maybe connect with your life group. Do this time together with your life group. Invite some neighbors over that, that you know are, are going to be able to be ministered to and blessed through this. Invite them to come and be a part of it with you too. The experience is different, but we have to remember the church is not the building. It never has been and it never will be. The church is the people, and we need to be the people of Jesus in our communities, uh, in our neighborhoods, in our businesses. Let's be Jesus to those people during this time. We don't know how many more weeks we'll do it this way. We're going to listen and learn and, and pay attention to what's developing, and we'll make those decisions as we go along. But chances are good that we'll be doing this again next week, and uh, we'll get those posts out. We'll get that information out to you moving forward. I want to take just a moment and thank our staff, our elders, uh, our praise team, our volunteers, everybody that jumped in here with us to make it possible for us to bring you the service this way this week. I know we always live stream, but we're doing some things different today, uh, and they jumped in there and did a great job with it. So I'm very grateful for everyone that has jumped in there, pitched in, helped us do the best job we can do in bringing the service this way today. And I know because this announcement was made somewhat last minute that you may not have been able to prepare in advance to have communion together. We believe communion is a very important part of our first day of the week gatherings of the church. And today we're gathering online and we can still have communion as a part of that connection and that gathering as we do it together. Uh, you can just use crackers. You can use regular grape juice or wine. Uh, and if you didn't prepare in advance, you can just use whatever you have available today to have a communion time with your family or friends or your life group. But moving forward, you know, it would be good to get those supplies ready ahead of time, have them prepared so that you can share this experience of remembering Jesus in this special way. So I'm going to lead us right now in a time of communion together. And uh, it is the most important thing we do as Christ followers is to remember what he's done for us, the sacrifices that he's made for all of us. He has set the example of how his followers need to make sacrifices for the good of others. So let's have a time of communion together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he instituted this meal this way. He took the bread that was there, the unleavened bread, and he broke it and he gave it to them and said, this is my body given for you. Let's take the bread together right now. And then Jesus, after the supper, took a cup that was there for the Passover meal. And he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood that's poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's take the cup together.
The scriptures teach us that as often as we do this, we are to remember Christ's death, the payment that he made for our sins, and we do it until the time that he comes back again. So it's a proclamation of our faith that Christ is indeed a risen Lord and that he's coming back again. I am also very grateful that President Trump designated today as a national day of prayer. Anytime we face hardships or crisis or challenges, we need to go first to God in prayer. He is our source, our redeemer, our provider. He's the one that will get us through anything that we face and bring good out of it. And, and I know for people of faith, this is not as fearful as it is for some who may not have that trust in God that people of faith may have. We need to, to recognize the fact that, that they are afraid and we need to love on them and help them through it. But we know where to go with our fear, and that's to the Father. And the Father is there for us. So I want to lead us in a time of prayer together. So whether you're in your home or at a coffee shop somewhere or together with your life group, wherever you are, let's all join together right now and pray in unity on this National Day of Prayer. Heavenly Father, we turn to you in prayer, not panic, in response to this pandemic. We praise you as our almighty creator and sustainer. You are the author of our days, our refuge and strength. Glorify yourself in this national and global emergency. We cry out to you in unified prayer. For those who've suffered loss of family or friends from this virus, please comfort them. For those who are currently sick, we ask that you heal them. For those who are filled with fear and anxiety and the uncertainty of what to do or in isolation or quarantine, we ask that you be their courage, that they would have that knowledge of your presence, your power, and your provision. Thank you for being our God who never leaves or forsakes us. For those who are managing businesses, those that are maybe not able to work, earn a paycheck, we ask that you provide for their needs and calm their fears. Please also help connect them with the services that are being provided so that they can have those provisions that are made possible for them to have. For those who are researching and responding to the pandemic, we ask that you pour out your wisdom and your knowledge and understanding in them and through them. Please incline our ears to truth. Give us steadfast hearts as our confidence is in you. Give us discernment to divide rumors from reality. Help us to make wise decisions and listen to good information. For all hospital and nursing home staff and doctors and nurses, lab technicians, first responders, military personnel, everyone who is at risk to exposure as they serve and care for those who they may have been given uh, the responsibility for, Father, be with them. Bless them, give them and their families peace as they serve. Help them to keep patients calm as they work and walk in faith as they witness to you. Lord, help us always to respond with your love to our neighbors. Prompt us to check on those near and dear to us, as well as neighbors we may not have even met yet who may need our help. Help us to remind those around us who are most vulnerable to this virus that, that we could remember them and remind them that we're there for them. Let's reach out, Father. Help us to reach out and help them by doing the things we could do to help keep them from being exposed. For those who are making decisions about closures or cancellations, we ask that you guide them to consider what's best for people and not profit. Lord, that they will trust you. They will make the safest decision for the population that they serve. 
Continue to pour out your creativity on us and the methods of staying connected and productive through technology and more one-on-one ministry that needs to take place during this time. We lift up the ongoing needs of our church family, Father. We know that you are the source that will care for us. We pray that this unprecedented time in our generation would be used to draw us nearer to you, to our families, and to our neighbors as your church. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in a series that was planned long before the tornadoes hit in the natural area, long before uh, the pandemic became as, as big a cause as it is now. And this, this series is called Hope for Everyone. It's an Easter series because Easter, the event of Easter, what it's really about is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And this is exactly where we find our hope. And this is exactly where we need to point people and help people find their way to Jesus during this time and in all times, because there is where their hope can be sustained. We have a a statement on our website. We are one church, multiple locations. I love how God is already using this in a good way for the church. Uh, We already had several locations. We already live streamed our service and have hundreds of people that that are connecting with us online that way before today. But today, not only do we have several locations, we've got hundreds of locations of the church meeting together in homes all over the area. And so we're thankful that God is using this to multiply the presence of the church right there in the communities where his people live. In Philippians 2, verse 3, he tells us this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. We as a church and our leadership made the decision to think of the interest of others ahead of our own selves and desires and comfort zone that we are we're so comfortable with as the church coming together in our buildings and meeting together there. We still love doing that and we'll still be doing that in the future, but this is a great way for us to get out of that comfort zone and put others and their concerns ahead of ourselves while still worshiping and honoring God connected together online. He went on to say in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And that's our focus today and in this series is looking at Jesus and his mindset and his love and his response to our needs and how he was willing to get so much out of his comfort zone to come and clothe himself in the flesh, to set the example for us of how to live, and then to go and make the ultimate sacrifice for us on the cross. Last week, we looked at Jesus in the upper room with his disciples, where he instituted that memorial meal of communion that we just shared together. This week, we follow Jesus as he leads them, these disciples, into the Garden of Gethsemane. And I want us to see four things about this time he spent with his disciples in the Garden and how he was using this time for bonding with his disciples, but more than that, for preparation to be willing and able to move forward with the will of the Father for the good of the world. The first thing we see that took place in this time in the garden is that it was a time of intimacy with his disciples. Let's look at Matthew chapter 26. We're going to spend most of our time there today. Matthew 26, beginning with verse 36. 
It says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. You see, they've been in that upper room where we left off last week and they had had the Passover together and Jesus instituted that, that meal that we celebrate as a memorial and he, he also revealed that one would betray him and that they would all scatter as things began to transpire. But Jesus knew he needed personal preparation and he wanted to go to a familiar place with his disciples and spend an intimate time with them there because of what it would do for him to help him face what he was about to face. But it was also a time where he wanted to, to make even one more effort to prepare them for what was coming. Gethsemane, that garden there, was an olive grove. And that was very symbolic as well. Oftentimes they would have even an olive press right there at the gardens where they had the olives growing. The, the olives would be taken and put into a press and the juice would be squeezed out before you could get the benefit of the juice of the oil of the olive. How symbolic is that of Jesus who is going to be pressured and be made to sacrifice and his blood was going to spill out and that's when we were going to get the benefit of the blood that's poured forth. Jesus spends this intimate time there in the garden. It was familiar too, we know, because Judas knew exactly where to find Jesus when he was leading his enemies there. It was not uncommon for Jesus and his disciples, I'm sure, to go to this spot. And Judas knew under the cover of night, without any crowds around, he could take Jesus' enemies who wanted to find him and ultimately kill him. He knew where to find Jesus that night. But that would be a place they would go at a time like this. I think it's a great example for us to know that when Jesus was facing his greatest challenge, when he was facing the hardest thing he was going to have to do and coming to this earth for us, he spent those last moments with his friends, with those that, that he had poured into this whole time and those who had, who had left thing, everything to follow him and, and come after him. He wanted to spend that time with them. We all need a group of friends like that who share our love for Jesus and our willingness to step out and serve and follow Jesus. And that's why here at Lakeshore, we love life groups. We believe they are the core of the ministry and the work of the church. And if you need help finding a life group, we will still gladly do that. You can connect and let us know you're interested on our website at lakeshorechristian.com. There's a place there where you can, you can give us your information and we'll help you connect with others in a more intimate way where we can go through those hard things together. But it was also a place where he could pray in an intimate relationship and prayer time with his father. And it reminds us of, us of just how much that's needed in our lives too. We don't need to just go it alone out there and all the challenges and struggles that we face. We need to know that we always have access to the Father in prayer. We don't have to wait for things to get out of hand. We don't have to wait till they're really hard. Jesus didn't wait till this time to start praying to the Father. He regularly got off to himself and prayed, spent time in prayer with his Father. And we can follow his example in our own lives. It's so needed 
at all times for us to have that communication going on constantly with our Father. You see, when you know how much he loves you, like Jesus knew how much the Father loved him, then you don't hesitate to go to him for those things that are, you're struggling with. You might be afraid of or you might just be, be worried or, or stressed or you might also just have a decision to make that, that some good things are going on in your life and you just need some wisdom and guidance to know how to move forward with it. Whatever it is, the Father's there for you. You could take time to go intimately into prayer time with the Father. So it was a time of intimacy. It was also a time of intensity, great intensity. Look at verse 38. He said to them, these disciples that were there, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. That phrase being sorrowful to the point of death, we don't have a real English equivalent to, to what was said in the original language. It, it, was, it was an intense statement of the weight and the grief and the burden that Jesus was feeling knowing what was about to transpire. He knew before he ever left heaven. He knew before the foundation of the earth that it was going to require when, when he created us, it was going to require of him the sacrifice that he was about to make. And it was a weight that was crushing him. It was the knowledge that he would bear the sins of the whole world on that cross. It was the knowledge that he was going to go through torture, beating, ridicule, mockery, and excruciating pain to pay that price and make that sacrifice for us. And it was weighing heavily on him. The other gospels give us an account of this as well. And in Luke 22 and verse 44, Luke shares with us this statement. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, the way this is worded, it, it seems to be that it was actually sweat mixed with blood that was falling to the ground. And, and we know in the medical world that there is a medical thing that happens where that can actually take place under intense pressure. The vessels near the surface of the skin and the forehead especially can rupture and, and blood and sweat can mix and fall from our heads. Jesus is an intense struggle and anguish. As he prays, the sweat and the blood mingle and fall to the ground. When we think of Jesus paying that price for us, we have to remember that this whole time, even at that point when he's praying and, and, and he's agonizing like he is, when he's in that kind of anguish, he could still have made the choice to stop it there. He still had the opportunity to say, my will, not the Father's. And he didn't make that choice, which leads to the third thing I want us to see in this time today, and that is, it was a time of surrender to the will of the Father. Verse 39, it says, Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Now, when you hear the phrase, this cup, you need to understand in their culture, that phrase meant a cup of suffering. 
Jesus is not naive. He understands what's about to happen. He knows the suffering that's called for. He's already experiencing the beginning of that suffering right now. And so he prays, my father, if it is possible, may this cup of suffering be taken from me. But he adds this, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Can you imagine how hard that was for him? He is at the time of the greatest anguish of his life, and he finds his disciples sleeping. And he says, couldn't you men watch with me for one hour? Which tells us that Jesus has now already spent an hour anguishing in prayer before the Father. This is not just the sentences we have recorded here and the time that you take to read it. This is hours of prayer time that Jesus is spending an intimate prayer with his father. He asked Peter, couldn't you man keep watch with me for one hour? He said, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He knew they had said, we'll not leave you. We'll not turn our back on you. We'll, we'll stand up for you. We'll even die for you. He knew the intention was good, but he knew that in the flesh, when faced with the pressures they were going to face and the challenges they were going to face, the temptation was going to be so strong and he wanted them to spend time in prayer before they faced the intense temptation that they were going to face. What a lesson for us. Not to wait until we're in the middle of our sin and our sinful decisions. Not to wait until we're suffering the consequences of the sinful choices that we make to go to God and ask for help. We need to prepare in advance through prayer for the temptations that we're going to face. I love that Jesus didn't stop there. It says in verse 42, he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. You're hearing a theme here, right? He doesn't want to go through this. Nobody in their right mind would want to go through what Jesus was about to go through. But he said, you know, I know if it's, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken from me and your will still be accomplished, father, then then I understand that. I want your will above everything else. So then verse 43, he came back and he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. I love that, that the writer uh, Matthew includes that because we have to understand that they're tired, they're worn out, and, and our flesh is weak. And when we get uh, worn out like that physically, it's easy. If you get still in the warmth of the beauty of the garden, it would be easy just to doze off, wouldn't it? And their eyes were heavy. And they dozed off again. And this time it says he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. In this intense, intimate time of prayer with the Father, his disciples are sleeping. He brought them out there with him, I'm sure, because he needed them to be there. He needed them to be there with him and for him as he faced what he's about to face. But Jesus knew what we have to know ultimately, too. We can't put our trust in people. We have to put our trust in the Father. We can't rely on people to be for us what only the Father can be for us. Our friends can't do that for us. Our, our family can't be that for us. Our government can't be that for us. Our institutions, our organizations can't be that for us. Only the Father can be for us, that source 
to provide for us everything we need and all the things we face in life. And Jesus knew that even though they slept, he could still go to the Father. And the Father would be there. And the Father would hear his prayer. And the Father would provide what he needed. He prayed laying face down on the ground. There's no specific posture for prayer, but oftentimes in intense prayer, we, we may fall down before the Father. And that's, that's just a show of how intense he was in this prayer time before the Father. And I love that how he prayed, and how he prayed, he expressed his own desire while totally submitting to the will of the Father. Oftentimes our prayers don't really look like that. Oftentimes when we pray as Christ followers, it's here's what I want, Father. Uh, I just uh, I want you to make that happen. Let, let's do, Father, what, what I think is right, what I think is, is going to take care of me, what I think is going to bless me. Father, I think I've got this figured out, so you do what I think is the right thing. That's not what Jesus prayed. That's not how Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed understanding that this was not something he was going to to welcome as far as the pain and the agony and the suffering. But he also knew that there was a plan that the Father had. He understood that there was a will of the Father already established and laid out. And friends, we need to know that too in our lives. When we go to God in prayer, it's okay to express your desires. He encourages us to do that. But we need to pray with the kind of faith that also allows for the fact that God has a plan and a purpose already laid out for all of us. And we need to ask for that to be done in our lives the way Jesus asked for that to be done in his. Because here's the thing we need to know. His plan and his purpose, it's always going to be far better than any plan we can come up with for our own lives. There's a reason for everything, and God can use any of it and all of it, even the worst of things, to bring about the good things that he has in his plan for us, for the church, for the world. He prayed that same thing three times. That's not vain repetition the way Jesus did it. He's just still in agony. He's still reaching out and crying out. That's where his heart was. And that's what God wants from us, not vain repetition but also not just memorize little phrases that we give and never go any deeper than that. He wants us to speak from our hearts and our needs and our joys and our challenges. And he hears and answers those prayers. Here's something else I see in Jesus that is amazing. He showed compassion to his disciples. Even though he found them sleeping, he did not just chew them out for that. He didn't just say, you guys, I can't believe this. You know, you're, you're just really letting me down. He didn't even do that. He understood. And he had compassion on them. And he allowed them even to sleep while he was going through all of this. Uh, as I was preparing this message, I ran again across a quote uh, that I really like from Elizabeth Elliot. She said this, to pray thy will be done, I must be willing, if the answer requires it, that my will be undone. I love that quote. If our will were, done, were to be done all the time, I've got news for you. We don't have the wisdom of God and I, we would be as a people, as an individual in so much trouble if we got our will in our way all the time. We just don't have all the information 
We don't have all the knowledge that God has, the wisdom that God has to know what is best. And Jesus understood that the Father, the Father's plan, the Father's will, is what needed to trump everything else. It needed to be the highest priority. It needed to be the thing that he sought more than anything else. And so he prayed, not my will, but yours be done. But I want to close with this. This time in the garden was also a time of strengthening. It says in verse 45, Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Jesus knew that this time had come. It's what he had prepared for from before the creation of the world. It's what the plan had been all along. He knows that it's now led up to this very moment. His enemies are going to come. His friend is leading them. He's going to betray them and hand them over. He knows that. And so he comes back to his disciples who are still sleeping and he says, guys, wake up. The hour has come. I'm being delivered into the hands of sinners. But I want you to notice 46, verse 46 in particular. He says, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. In most translations, there's an exclamation point beside each one of those statements. You see, Jesus went in and agonized and, and felt the burdens and the struggles. But in that time of intimate prayer in the presence of the Father, he comes out of the garden strengthened and ready to move forward in doing the will of the Father. That's what believing in God can do. Having faith in the Father and the Father's plan can do. That's what spending intimate time in prayer with the Father can do for all of us. It can strengthen us to move forward with the will of God in our lives. Verse 47, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man arrest him. You see, they're coming into a grove of olives and they're coming, olive trees, and they're coming uh, in the dark of night and they're coming at a time where there, there, was, a, there was a group there and Judas had to distinguish for he, the enemies, uh, here's the man that you need to arrest. This is the guy you're looking for. And he picked a kiss to be the signal for those enemies that this is the man you're looking for. He betrayed his friend with a kiss. Jesus is not caught off guard by this. He had already told Judas, I know you're the one. I know you're going to do this. You've already planned it. You've already got it laid out. And that upper room, he had revealed his knowledge that it was Judas. Verse 50, Jesus replied, do what you came for, friend. Notice that Jesus still calls Judas what? He calls him friend. Isn't that amazing? The love, the compassion, that he even chose to Judas that night. Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. I think Matthew was trying to be kind to Peter and didn't mention his name. But in the other Gospels, we find out that it was Peter who had stepped up right then. And it was Peter who took out his sword and cut off, we even know the servant's name was Malchus, cut off his ear, but the gospel tells us that Jesus picked up the ear, told Peter to put his sword away, and put the ear back on and healed the man who had had his ear cut off. Jesus is still loving, caring, 
healing those that had come to arrest him. We see in Jesus an amazing example of all that we need to know about his love, his heart, his care for us. He went on to say this in verse 53. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Thousands of angels could come and help me if that was the father's plan. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? And that hour Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you've come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place. Jesus is still pointing them to the fulfillment of prophecy. This has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Jesus is facing at this critical moment that ultimate decision to submit to the will of the Father. It's a decision not easily made. It's a decision that that he knew he was going to have to make before it ever came to that place. And Jesus chose you and chose me above himself. In Luke 22, Luke tells us in verse 43 that an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. You see, the father hasn't forgotten about how hard this was going to be for his son. And I'm sure the father's heart is breaking overseeing that his son was going to have to do this to fulfill the plan that would put us first, even ahead of his son. And so he ministered to his son through an angel that came and strengthened him. He went in very sorrowful and in anguish. He came out strong and confident and determined. And I believe it teaches us that prayer often does not change our circumstances, but here's what it does. It strengthens us for the circumstances it prepares us to be used by God in the circumstances. And that paves the way for God to do great things through those circumstances that we face. Circumstances like a pandemic. Circumstances like income that's lost. Circumstances like businesses that are struggling to survive. Circumstances like family members that, that, that are getting into things that are not good. Like circumstances like a pregnancy that is at great risk, circumstances that members of Lakeshore family and everybody listening online today, you know in all circumstances, in all circumstances, if we continue to walk in obedience to the Father, the Father has prepared in advance if we are faithful to Him to use those to His glory and for our blessing. The cross is the perfect example of all of that. Jesus' decision to move forward here and go to that cross is the exact perfect example of how God was going to take the ugliest thing in the history of the world and bring the greatest good from what happened there. That's why the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 12 and verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, it says this about Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why did Jesus make that decision in the garden that night? He made it for you. And if you're listening to this message today and you've not yet accepted what Jesus did for you and that decision that he made, today you can make that decision. 
We've celebrated one baptism today. Uh, you can be baptized anywhere there's enough water. If you've not been baptized yet, you can go ahead and make that decision and be baptized today as a decision to follow after Jesus, to have your sins forgiven, to raise to a new life covered by the blood that Jesus shed on that cross that he decided to go to for you and for me. And if you need to talk with someone here at Lakeshore, you can always call our office and you can email us. Uh, there's a place there on the site where you can submit prayer requests. You just click on that prayer request button and send those prayer requests to us and we'll follow up with you with any questions or decisions you're thinking about making and help guide you through the steps that you need to take with that. Friends, we're going to keep being the church. We're going to keep loving you and we're going to keep lifting up Jesus. And we want you to come and be a part of God's plan for your life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that today we've been able to spend this time in your presence. But Father, we need to remember that no matter where we are, no matter when we're there, we are actually always in your presence. You never leave us. You never forsake us. Help us to trust you to be there for us. We pray for those that are feeling fear or anguish right now that you would help them to know they can bring those fears to you and that you will provide for them everything that's really needed to bring about the good things you prepared in advance to bring about. Thank you, Father, for loving us the way you love us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. We hope you have a blessed day.